Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Money Mitch Effect. My name is Mitch Michaels, as always, host of the Sports Podcast, and we have a great show for you this week. It's all football, baby, just the way we like it. Brennan Smith's up first. He's going to be talking uh, about the NFL. My guy out in Utah, marketing and multimedia manager, has a lot to say about the Rams' struggles in week one. Crazy Sunday of football with a lot of upsets, a tie-in there. The Chiefs looking strong. Dallas and Dak has that injury, so the Cowboys are struggling. Who are the NFC good teams? Packers lost as well. A lot to break down the world of the NFL with Brennan Smith. And then Sully joins the show, the biggest fall fan in the land, Sean Sullivan, to discuss college football. His fall's over Pitt in a big one. AM losing to Appalachian State. Bama nearly, nearly beat by Texas. A lot to break down. We pick our favorite college football games as well as the week. And uh, we really try to win you guys some money. Sean Sullivan and Brennan Smith on today's episode of The Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now on The Money Mitch Effect, we're back again to talk NFL football. Just an insane week one. A lot to break down. So many upsets. Brennan Smith's on the line. Brennan, thanks again for joining the show. The 2022 season is uh, underway with uh, some pretty big fireworks. Best time of the year, my friend, and I'm surprised uh, you still have a voice today after that Cade York game winner. Oh, my so. gosh. Yeah, the Browns actually having a kicker is probably the sh- most crazy development, especially with all the missed field goals we saw uh, throughout the week. Uh, I do want to start with this, and uh, week one's always good for drama and chaos. It's also good for the overreactions. So do you have, and I can ask you it this way, an overreaction that you think is just so far-fetched week one, people are really losing it, and, and on the flip side – is there certain that instant reaction that you think might actually have some legs to it? That's something we saw actually might hold true the rest of the year. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the most like benign reaction is how good the bills are. Uh, put a hurting on the Rams on mm-hmm. Thursday and it just, it shows how far head and shoulders teams can be above other teams when you have a dynamic dual threat quarterback. Mm-hmm. And in, in terms of, uh, kind of a shocking reaction is uh, I I don't know that the Patriots are going to make the playoffs or even finish top three in their division. And that's something that anybody that's grown up uh, in and yeah. watched football in the last 15 or 20 years, you see that they have ruled that route for so long, but now there's talent in the Dolphins with Tua and, and the creativity of Mike McDaniel and the Bills being what they are. It, it just looks like they're not even close to the dynasty they've been the last 15 years. So if you're asking for bold, I, I'd say they'd miss the playoffs today um, after one week overreaction. Yeah, I think the big thing with, uh, I guess, starting with the Patriots-Dolphins game, what stood out to me was that the Dolphins didn't even really play particularly well. Like, they they, they have pieces, they they were streaky, but the Patriots could have lost that game by about 30 points, you know, if, if other things break their way. So I think the Dolphins are starting the foundation of something could be a wild card team, but yeah, New England just doesn't have the talent, doesn't have the horses, and we all can marvel about Belichick's coaching and how Brady's brilliance was was great. But it, it's also the sense of a veteran quarterback can kind of plug some holes, and there was more continuity there to get through at least towards the end. You don't really see that anymore with New England. I, I'm with you there. As far as your 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 Rams, unfortunately losing, taking down the chin to the Bills, that was I think more of a situation of just how dominant the Bills are, and, and Josh Allen, we can gush about him forever uh the fact that he can right. run he can throw perfect passer rating when he was uh targeting Jalen Ramsey which I'm sure he loved as well uh but to me Brennan the thing that stood out and maybe this is where I can kind of look at the Rams and be worried is the trenches were just dominated by the Bills and that wasn't something I expected like them to win this game not shocking but for them to win it the way they did just beating up the Rams interior was the surprising part exactly and and it's not to get too far into the minutia, but that's something that I noticed in week one, too, was such a big deal. It's teams that can get home with their front four rushers. The, the league's changing to where these quarterbacks are so good they can punish you on blitzes. And the Bills didn't need anybody except for that front four with Von Miller and, and those guys in the interior that were collapsing the offensive line. And that's a concern. I, th- I think the Rams are continually year after year on that high wire where they have high, high-end talent. They've hit on some mid-round picks. But when you go from Andrew Whitworth to Joe Nopum and expect that to just go smoothly, even though Nopum's had a few years to play under Whitworth, 
Wilworth's a Hall of Famer for a reason, even if he's 40 years old. And I think another underrated loss was Austin Corbett going to the Panthers. They had trained other people to come up on the interior, but it you're still effectively replacing two people on the offensive line, including one who's a first ballot Hall of Famer. So yeah. the recipe for a front four that can get home and kind of overestimating the talent that you had up front was just disastrous. And they, they have some injuries coming out of that game too, including no boom. And it's, it's not going to get better before it gets worse unless they can figure that out and get the running game going. Yeah. Ed Oliver again played well too. I mean, he's somebody that I think we've kind of overlooked and uh, on the Rams side, I was thinking about this too. It's funny how teams that come to mind, like the Cowboys with struggles and the Denver Broncos, they're the teams that come to mind in the sense of it can really go quickly from a great line to a one that has holes and inexperience on it. And the Rams were a great line. And now you just wonder with some of the losses and injuries, what's going to happen and you know, what Stafford looks like. I know, I, I think part of it too, whether it was the surgery for him or just players in general, Brennan, I mean, this, this lack of a preseason game and then the teams that aren't playing their players, their offensive skill guys in the preseason I think there's no coincidence. I saw something like three and eight for the quarterbacks that played in the preseason uh, in week one. So I think that does, you know, make them a bit rusty come uh, the start of the regular season. Absolutely. And, and speaking specifically about the Rams, it was just a perfect storm of replacing guys up front. Uh, they McVay doesn't play the starters in the preseason. And, and you said it exactly. You could see it with offenses like the Bengals as well. Joe Burrow tossing that many turnovers in week one after the season they had last year offensively was shocking, but uh, it's, it's kind of this trade. Do you, do you get a potentially catastrophic injury in the preseason or do you look a little discordant in the first game of the season? Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's this forever balancing act uh, in the modern NFL where you don't want to be the team that loses a starter in the preseason in meaningless games. But then if yeah. you come out and you just did boat race like the Rams did in week one, yeah. you got to figure out what the recipe is between those, those two things. And the other thing that shocked me just coming out of that game is, is how little Allen Robinson was targeted. He ran almost every single one of those snaps, and it's it's going to be imperative, as good as Cooper Cup is, that they get him involved and try to get the ball his way. Because if not, this offense is not going to become one-dimensional. It's going to become no-dimensional because everybody knows yeah. where the ball's going yeah. every single snap. Yeah, that was that was definitely shocking that he didn't get a look. Um, and you know, the Bills, Allen played the uh, an entire half of a preseason game, but I don't think it's physically possible for him to get hurt. We'll see. Uh, in, in any event, uh, one thing going for the Rams uh, is that the NFC West isn't as good as it used to be, and that's what we saw week one. That was kind of maybe something that's been glossed over with all the upsets and carnage. Is that every team now, including the Rams? has some question marks. Seattle won the Monday night game, which we'll touch on, but I don't think many people were considering them a contender. The Cardinals defense has some serious holes that they were exploited, and the Niners are relying, a great roster, but they're relying on a rookie QB. I don't want to judge everything on the rainy game that they played in, but point being that I think the Rams might, in a weird way, have broken lucky in the sense that they, don't, that they might have some more rope to work with when in the past it's just a murderer's row division. Exactly. I was uh, saying earlier, it's like the Space Jam and the Monstars or the AFC West, and they took the talent from the NFC West. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, it's definitely a new era. And you, and you saw the Seahawks got a way to get it done last night, found a way to get it done against in an emotional game. Uh, the Cardinals defense is, is definitely shaky. And um, you, you look at the 49ers and Trey Lance, you know, I don't know what you can draw from playing in a monsoon, any lessons from that, mm -hmm. but Eli Mitchell's going to be out for a while. Yeah. And they held on to Garoppolo. So no matter what, there's going to be questions on if he struggles at all, if he's the guy or which way the locker room is leaning. And it's just fascinating. Like you said, it, for 10 years, the NFC West was this way. And then it just flips over to the AFC West. And you look at what Mahomes did, fans, Tyree Kill, uh, Justin Herbert and that defense now with Khalil Mack. Yeah. And obviously I think the Broncos will get it going a little bit more as, as Russell Wilson settles in and the Raiders have DeMonte Adams now. Yeah. So the, it's, it, nuts. it's just interesting to see how it shifts. It's nuts. Uh, I do want to, you know, 
there's a lot of different ways we can go with this NFL week. I don't want to gloss over the fact that people were somehow writing the demise of the Kansas City Chiefs, and Mahomes just reminded <laughs> everybody that he's still the guy at the quarterback position. Because there's a lot that that would be glossed over, but five touchdowns in his first game against uh, first game without Tyreek Hill, uh, just a perfect virtuoso performance. And I theorize that this is, you know, they're playing the long game, obviously, Brennan, with Mahomes. You've got him there. You've got time on this situation. But they might not even be any worse without Tyreek Hill. I mean, it was just marvelous to see. We'll have to just break it down when they play these tough divisional games. But spreading it out, not being singularly focused on one guy. I mean, I think Mahomes might be rejuvenated this year and, and <laughs> right back in the MVP race where he belongs. And, and that's the amazing thing, too, is you see the differences between, like, Matt LaFleur and, and Aaron Rodgers are certainly not a uh, pedestrian quarterback-coach combo, but the talent drain from the Packers, where you lose your number one receiver versus the Chiefs, was stark and very different. Obviously, Juju has been in the league for a while. You have Marquez Valdez-Scanling. You didn't lose Travis Kelsey, but the – line and the expectation of oh well they'll be less predictable because they can spread it around kind of in the offseason you you laugh at that a little bit because Tyreek Hill is Tyreek Hill but you saw it I mean Mahomes is finding different receivers he's finding different ways to attack defenses and in week one at least Aaron Rodgers is very much missing Devontae Adams and his impact and I it was just that was something I drew from week one too is how stark those offenses performed without guys who have been mainstays for so long that might be though my number one not over not having an overreaction to just because we saw it (laughs) last year with the saints packers game there's something about green bay and i think they've earned it with just obviously rogers but before and mcveigh i think are the two coaches that have just owned the regular season the most the last couple years but i'm willing to give them a pass in week one plus i do think you can look at that game and it was tremendous justin jefferson's throwing his hat in the race for best receiver in football I think the Vikings came out and like they needed that game because obviously you lose at home to your rival that could set them set them back away. So I'll give I'll give Green Bay a little more rope. But yeah, I mean they look, I mean if they catch that if Watson catches that touchdown pass, we might be having an entirely different discussion because that was wide open there. So we'll see with Green Bay. But yeah, it it appears to be a little rocky at least through one week. Exactly. And that's just something else that I wanted to touch on. Justin Jefferson is absolutely outrageous. Same. I mean, how do you you send everything you can to stop him, and he is just so dominant. And the Vikings have been spoiled with wide receivers for as long as I've been alive. But he's just on another level, and that that kind of is something else I drew from this week is the the game changing uh, Minka Fitzpatrick for the Steelers. That guy was everywhere on your mm. screen all afternoon long making game-changing plays, and it's I, I love that, and I'm obviously thrilled that the NFL is back, but you can see how much talent there is around the league of just game-changing guys that uh, can totally wreck anything you're doing on offense or defense, and Jefferson is one of those. Do you think that, uh, I mean, do you think Bengals-Steelers was probably the weirdest game of the week? Because I, I think it was for the sense that, it wouldn't have shocked me if Cincinnati just came out flat and lost and, you know, T.J. Watt was all over the place. I, I honestly thought when he got injured, that's when Cincinnati's offense started to go. But it had a little bit of everything, and by everything, I mean some really bad football too. So I think <laughs> I think there's a lot to be said. I know Pittsburgh is a team I've rooted for more than any, but they are always dangerous in that situation when they're underdogs. And I think Cincinnati, look, we, there's a reason why Super Bowl hangovers exist because not that you're not working hard, but you come into that next year feeling, you know, feeling a little good about yourself, riding high, and Pittsburgh just foaming at the mouth to prove themselves again. So that that outcome didn't surprise me, but I think just the way we got there was just so strange. Exactly, and that, and that's what you draw from Week One is Joe Burrow is going to be all right. That offensive line is going to gel. They have the skill position guys. They have Joe Mixon, but. Then you look at the other side where the Steelers just played with their hair on fire that entire game uh, defensively and, and surviving where they needed to survive. But the overreaction in week one is we're in a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. So the Steelers, you lose T.J. Watt. You're, you're still trotting out Mitch Trubisky. Uh, Najee Harris came out of that game with a little banged up. And this is going to be a war of attrition like every yeah. other season over – 
the entirety. And the Steelers came out, and you're exactly right. They had that motivation to say, you know, they've kind of written us off. Uh, Roethlisberger's retired. And the Bengals did what the Bengals did last season. The Ravens exist. and it, But it's going to bear out over the season that Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase. And the Steelers aren't going to be pushovers in any yeah. uh, sense of the word. But it, it uh, you get up for that game and you establish the tone and you just see if the tone resonates for 17 weeks. More with Brennan Smith here on the Money Mitch Effect as we continue on with the uh, NFL. Uh, Brennan, are you... Looking at week one and I guess beyond, are you buying the notion that the AFC, I guess, contender-wise, is a lot deeper and stronger uh, in terms of you know who can not only make a Super Bowl run, but just the quality of teams and the depth? Because I will say after week one, it might be a little difficult in the NFC to find three, four teams that you're feeling really good about. Yeah, and, and I think it's the, the changing the guard where the last, 10 years of this league, you're waiting, waiting, waiting for these quarterbacks to emerge that aren't named Brady, Breeze, Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. And the new generation is here, and they, they're all in the AFC. You look around, and, and the top-end talent of 33 and under quarterbacks is on that side of the docket. And it's it's so easy to just chalk it up to quarterbacks rule in this league, but you look at the Bills, you look at the Chiefs, you look at the Chargers, and anybody who watched those three teams over this weekend can see that yeah. maybe the Buccaneers are in the same stadium. Um, the Rams, if they get right, potentially. Um, but it, it's it's like a, just a different level of execution and, and ability right now on the AFC side of the upper echelon team. So I yeah. buy that 100%. And, and the NFC will get right, and, and there's because there's less talent in that side of the conference, then those teams will get it right and, and be ascending uh, toward the end of the season. But the Bills and, and Chiefs are, are playing practically a different game right now. Well, I think, and I, it's funny, I think uh, I agree with most of that. I think you might be able to add a team like the Chargers to that list. I guess we'll see on Thursday night, but... Chargers Raiders was one of the great games. I know having it on the West, I, I would watch pretty much all of it. And I thought that game was great. I thought the Raiders actually played better than, you know, they came on strong at the end, nearly won it, had the ball down five. But Herbert was balling with and without. Unfortunately, Keenan Allen gets hurt. He was playing amazing. His his ability to kind of use his legs when he needs to, too, is very underrated. But I think the Chargers can crash that that party, that Chiefs, Bills, Bengals kind of party with their defense because Mac, I mean, we'll see if he holds up. Obviously that's a big if, but if he's there, I mean, three sacks is this opening week, but Mac and Joey Bosa together along with that offense, I think the the chargers like their chances against anybody. Exactly. And, and you, I mean, the one guy that we have to mention too is Derwin James. Mm -hmm. I mean, when he's out there, he's playing snaps on the line, snaps in the secondary, snaps in the slot. He's everywhere and anywhere. And, and that's the biggest key to unlock that defense with Brandon Staley calling those plays. Similarly to when he was with the Rams and Jalen Ramsey, is if you can have Derwin playing that kind of star position and, and challenging everybody from Devontae Adams to Darren Waller while also blitzing and, and providing run support. And if he stays healthy, I think that's the biggest key. They'll get the pass rush from those two guys, but He's such an X factor in how they execute defensively. The offense is going to be there, but if he can stay healthy, then you're absolutely spot on. He's they'll be in the upper echelon of the AFC and and will be in that final Super Bowl conversation. I'm not going to write off the Raiders. This could very well be, and a lot of predictions was a three division, a three playoff team division, um, given the fact that one division in this league doesn't have a win and two teams played each other. Uh, but with but with that said, uh, I do have to talk about the Monday night game with Denver, who's got some playoff aspirations for a lot of reasons. But, boy, I, I don't know that it could have gone much worse in terms of just the final taste in everyone's mouth for a debut for uh, Nathaniel Hackett and how he managed the clock at the end of that game because that was something. And, look, they fumbled on the goal line twice, Brennan, and I think there's a lot of reasons why they lost this game other than the final stretch. But... Clock management and some of these young coaches and some of these moments just seem like they could be a little too big. And I guess we can start there. Are you surprised with how it went down, but also that, you know, maybe that veteran quarterback that they gave $250 million to didn't just call his own timeout? 
Right. I'm shocked that that happened. And it's something that I want to draw on the dichotomy of this is look at the Giants game. You mm. have a chance to tie and kind of leave it up to the fates of if you get the coin toss or, or whatever. And Brian Dable says, no, we're going for the win and we're putting it in the hands of Saquon Barkley. And that's that's the lesson that I think that, that Daniel Hackett and Russell Wilson are going to have to learn. And they will learn from uh, making that choice to just have Brandon McManus boot uh, a million yard field goal at sea level, yeah. which nobody thought was going to have much of a shot. But that that's the modern NFL. And it's, it's going to it's become more in vogue with analytics and who pushes for what on fourth down. But that was so that's the first thing I thought of last night when the Broncos kind of uh, submitted, ran down the clock and took the ball out of the hands of the guy who they just paid handsomely in both draft picks and cash. When you look at a Giants team, which ostensibly has way less talent, just says, let's go for it. Mm -hmm. And that uh, it's not galvanizing for the Broncos and and they're going to have to go back to the drawing board and think about uh, in that division, there's no room to not be uh, swashbuckling on those decisions because those other teams are talented and yeah. you're going to be on the outside looking in. And I think anybody that watched the slate on Sunday and then the Monday night game, the Broncos are absolutely the distant fourth in that division. I mean, I just thought it was absurd that he was calling his timeouts at the end of that game too when they were kneeling down. But there there could have been, I mean, you could have handled it in any number of ways better than that. Um, and I do want to say again, credit to Brian Dable going forward. It was great to see Saquon Barkley back. Titans missed that field goal away at a brutal loss for them. I, I, I don't want to take anything away from what the Giants did in, in their situation. I just want to kind of offer maybe some more context to it, Brennan, and see if you agree. I think it is a little more freeing when you're not expected to be good. I don't want to say when you're a bad team, but because I, I don't, I mean, the Giants in their own mind, I mean, Brian Dable knows this is a long-term project. He probably doesn't have his long-term quarterback there. There's a lot more drafting and pieces that need to be added. So in a way, it's got to be a little more freeing to just be like, you know what? We're going for it. We're going for the win. It, it speaks to, you know, it'll, it'll get you respect and credibility in that locker room. I don't know if Hackett, and this is an excuse, obviously, but if he felt like there was pressure and, the moment just got too big for him, but I'm I'm with you 100 percent on the on the way of if you're an underdog on the road, the uh, team not expected to win, just go for it. Yes, and and that's the Giants are at a totally different mentality. You, the Eagles are the Eagles. The Cowboys uh, obviously are going to have a very difficult climb with Dak out, and and the Commanders looked uh, like they could be a team that is dangerous as well like but risky probably you know the commanders will probably be in the mix and honestly with with how dallas is they could we, we could see washington throw their hat in this race i mean i'm just the nfc east i'm glad you brought it up because i don't think i don't think there's any you know unbeatable teams to say a lot a lot i think the eagles are good but i mean they gave up 35 points to the lions a lot right. of that in the fourth third and fourth quarter yes and and that's what the NFC is going to be so fascinating to watch in that kind of middle class to see who's gunning for those wild card spots because legitimately there's two or three teams in almost every division on the NFC side that can compete for a wild card spot or and that's where that's going to be interesting. We're going to be watching the heavyweights slug it out in the AFC, but those interesting games to try to shape who's going to make the last few playoff spots is going to be fascinating and. I can't uh, go any further in this podcast without mentioning how disappointed I am in the Colts. Oh man, and I can't believe uh, with the talent that they have and and how they just got punched in the mouth at the beginning of that game with the Texans, who are not projected by anybody to do anything this season. With the talent they've accrued, the running game they have, the veteran quarterback Michael Pittman, mm. a solid defense, everything that Chris Ballard has put together. It's every year. It seems like this team, I know they've had a lot of turnover at quarterback, but we believe in them to make some noise. And watching Sunday, there's still a pretty big gap between the top of the AFC and them, even though they have somebody like Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, it's kind of maddening. I think if it, I agree with you. I think how they lost or how they tied that game, rather, the slow start, not showing up offensively in overtime, uh, just inexcusable. And uh, I think... <laughs> I think realistically, if it wasn't for the Dallas Cowboys, that Sunday would have been marred by how bad the Colts were 
with the biggest loser in that one. Um, but the Cowboys just, I mean, with Dak going down and how their offense just couldn't get anything going. And, you know, Tampa Bay, which I don't doubt. I mean, Brady's earned the right to get every benefit of the doubt humanly possible. Um, they're not where they need to be. They got a lot of injuries. Godwin came in, missed time. Uh, line is dropping like flies. But you still, but you still, Brennan, see that defense is good, and I think that's what's going to be kind of keeping them in the hunt. And you know, you're never going to write them off, but you also got to be aware that their defense is world class. Exactly, and that's you know, whenever you have Brady, you have a shot. But uh, I, I, I love this man. I mean, I, I said it once, and I'll say it again. You look at the NFC, and it's just such a blast to think about who's going to emerge from that, and and the heavy hitters all got kind of punched in the mouth with either injuries or didn't live up to expectations from last season while the AFC top end kind of rolled. Do you think the Saints got a chance? they all have their own issues. Do you think the Saints have a chance in that division? I mean, I know it was like the crazy week one Falcons. (laughs) I mean, that game was just out of control. But the Saints are trendy, and, you know, Tampa hasn't beaten them with Tom Brady in the regular season. So I'm just – I'm trying to gauge their chance in this division. I I think absolutely. Jameis – on it in the second half of that game Michael Thomas looks like the Michael Thomas of old the slant god and Alvin Kamara kind of didn't get it going and it, it might be dealing with a little bit of an injury but he's always dangerous and you look at the defense and that was kind of a shootout but they have some pieces uh, looking at the pass rush and and some other um, continuity they have from last year and you look at the other half of that division and the Falcons I obviously don't have short-term aspirations and the Panthers, who knows what's going to happen with Matt rule and what they have a quarterback in Baker Mayfield. Um, so I, why not, you know, why not have Jameis uh, win the yeah. NFC South and see how far they can carry it. But it's uh it's still Brady's show until uh, somebody says otherwise. Well, the only thing on the Falcons that I will say is I really do like Drake London and I think he's going to have a great career. Uh, we'll see. I mean, that game was nuts. Um, Marshawn Lattimore with one of the dumbest penalties that I've ever seen to even give them a chance to kick that field goal. But Jameis was he was playing amazing football down the stretch. And and how about this? I mean, you have Michael Thomas back, looking great, looking like he's fully recovered. Jarvis Landry down there, and the rookie Olave from Ohio State. Like that could be as lethal of a trio of receivers as there is. So. I'm with you. I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be frisky. Now, the other side of that is Jameis is probably going to throw a lot of picks and cost themselves games. But it's going to be fun, and I hope he keeps talking in front of the media too, because I I need that every day. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the best part of this team, honestly, is uh, personality. So we'll take that every day of the week. Hey, we'll wrap up this week's uh, recap with you know obviously the Browns win over the Panthers, which got a little dicey. I wasn't optimistic at a time, but. How about having the last laugh, I mean, at least this laugh right now, with drafting a kicker in the fourth round? I mean, because Cade York looks like an absolute weapon, and not just that last kick. I mean, this is this is something special for, for us Browns fans that have just used to pain in that field goal position. Right, and, th- and that's how this team is going to win until uh, Deshaun Watson is, is back in the picture, is a strong running game, a kicker that can boot at a mile, and a good defense with Miles Garrett. That's, yeah. In the AFC North, it's so tough on the top end with Lamar Jackson and uh, Joe Burrow. And the Steelers look tough defensively. We'll see what T.J. Watt's injury does to that. But mm-hmm. that's that's how they'll stay afloat. And yeah. it was it's, it's just fun, man. I mean, you know, I, I love it when uh, teams reach a little bit on kickers and it yeah. pays off. This isn't uh, a Sebastian Janikowski reach, but it's still uh, – it's a blast to watch yeah. anybody boot it from that far out and get a win. Well, look, I mean, you, you've you predicted perfectly how the Browns are going to win any games here. Is this the run game, the defense, which is solid at all three levels? Uh, Chubb went for about 140 last game. And, yeah, I mean, they played the Jets this week, so could they be 2-0? and Absolutely. And I'm, you know, I'm looking at, like, 6-5 like and five is kind of the target, right? If the Browns can get to 6-5 and five when, he comes, when Watson comes back, maybe they're still in the mix. Um, I think they got to win some of these early games, um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, now it's fun; it's it's exciting, and uh, we can kind of end the NFL talk with this week. Two's got some big games headlined by maybe the best Thursday night game we're going to see all year: Chargers going to Kansas City. Man, I I can't wait for that. I can't wait to see just what we mentioned earlier: how 
the new receivers match up and try to challenge this Chargers defense. How the pass rush comes against Mahomes and how he uh, handles that. And just two really good coaches, one defensively and uh, Brandon Staley and one offensively. Um, and, and it's just going to be, I mean, that's every AFC West game at this point should be on pay-per-view, like an old, <laughs> yeah. like, 90s title fight, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's just going to be so fun to watch that throughout the year and watch these quarterbacks duel because, you know, four of them in the top 10 or 10 or 12 are in the same division and two of the best young three are going to play each other twice and mm-hmm. never, ever take that for granted. I mean, it's it's so much fun to just have it back, man, and really to watch is. the witching hour on Red Zone and, and know that we get it on Thursdays, Sundays, and Mondays, and I'm going to be enjoying every damn minute of it. So. <laughs> I, I can't wait. Uh, these Sundays, I mean, you missed it, and we, we start to see why. It's just uh, insane. Uh, Brennan Smith, appreciate you coming on. Uh, last thing, where are we with the state of the Arizona State Sun Devils football program? It was oh, a rough buddy. one against Oklahoma State this past week. I was week. hoping you were going to ask me about yeah. AEW and not ASU. But, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, I know you're tired, but that's just because you, you're forced to work with a bunch of children. But, you know, Arizona State. Uh, yeah, it's uh, – you know, the, the fizzling days of the Herm era and just kind of going through there. The biggest pain I had on Saturday was flipping through the other channels and seeing guys like Ricky Pearsall mm-hmm. playing Florida and Jane Daniels play for LSU. And just to see the talent drain from last year to this year. And the expectations are low. Uh, X Valaday looks good. Emory Jones looks good in spurts. And I'm just uh, happy <laughs> I didn't fork over some cash to go to Stillwater because. I would have been pretty sad at a dive bar in Oklahoma on Saturday night. Yeah, sometimes you just gotta read the room and read the you know read the tea leaves and you know punt to a couple other years. Uh, no, I I think you're, I think you're building for something hopefully a lot longer than that and uh, down the road. But we'll see. Might be a regime regime change coming up. Uh, since you brought it up though, uh, your thoughts on this whole AEW thing? I mean, I'll, I'll admit, like I've I haven't watched too much of it. Uh, but obviously, after the post media scrum, I'm kind of just reading all the all the dirt sheets now. Uh, your thoughts on kind of the civil war going on in, in the AEW locker room? Oh, man, it's just it's so it's brutal. It's brutal to watch because CM Punk came in as a hero. Everybody loved him. Everybody was stoked to have him back in a ring, in a major promotion, uh, cutting promos and and being the AEW champion. And I just like the guy cannot be happy and is a constant malcontent with what's going on around him, even if it's inconsequential. And obviously the elite jumping in and, and getting suspended too is, is just, it's not great for a company that's still trying to grow and, and has roots and is trying to get another bigger TV deal to have tournaments every few weeks because of injuries or because of drama for the biggest prizes in the promotion. Yeah, and it's it's just it's tough, man. Because you you love the guy, you love what he's done for wrestling over the last twenty years, and and you know how much potential there is in the promos and in his in ring ability. But there's just so much attached to that, and so much baggage that comes with that. Mm-hmm. That even the Chicago crowd was turning on him a little bit. That's his that's his home market. That's yeah. people will go to bat for him any day of the week there. So it's. And it's tough because MJF returned, and that should have been the storyline after all the drama with him that preceded this. Mm-hmm. And it just gets overshadowed by dudes fighting backstage and and burying uh, people in, in promos and press conferences. So yeah. it's a bummer, but need that young talent to kind of take over and step up in their absence, and, and hopefully that will give them some more TV time. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of points of what you just said I, I'm, I'm in agreement with, I think. You know, he's brought up issues he's had with the business in the past, and those have been good things, but it's funny how we're, you know, it's like you're supposed to take everything that someone does or someone says if you agree with one thing and just be like, oh, I'm all for this guy. I think he was out of line, out of pocket with what you will uh, in terms of how he just went off the record and did that at the scrum, but I, I keep going back to you, and this is probably the bigger problem, Brennan, is that you have the owner of the company sitting right next to him, and this is just right. going on. And uh, we both know what would we both know why this wouldn't happen if you know it was Vince McMahon or even Triple H now on the other side because that just wouldn't be put up with because that's not how you run you know a real successful long term business. Um, 
We'll see. I mean, right. I, I like CM Punk as well. Uh, he's older now. I just think he's always unhappy, and I, I don't know that he should have been the champion. I thought he should have been more of the attraction type, uh, and it is taking away from a lot of good that happened on that card, especially with, I mean, the Danielson-Jericho match and some other things there. So uh, it's unfortunate. You know, we, we were both fans of, uh, of good professional wrestling, but we're talking about stuff that happened backstage and stuff that doesn't have any relevance, any storylines or anything like that. So... Um, I right. guess the last thing would be, do you think he'll ever wrestle CM Punk in AEW again? Honestly, as of now, I don't think so. I, I just, like I said before, he has all the talent in the world, but, but there's just something to be aggrieved about at every turn. And especially in a promotion where you're trying to build something that's counterproductive to everything that you're doing. And he's, you know, with the, the beef he has with the elite, the beef he has with Hangman Adam Page, the beef he has with, it seems like everybody that uh, steps in his direction is, is problematic. And, and you're exactly right. It undermines it when Tony Khan is, is sitting right next to him during that press conference. And you think about, well, now that this company has established itself, what are, what's it going to take to have somebody who manages the backstage politics better so you're not hearing about it every week that's drowning out what's actually happening in the ring. And that's the next step they have to find and the next uh, bridge they have to cross to, I don't think they'll ever compete with WWE. WWE is entrenched, but it's so nice to have that alternative on Wednesday nights and Friday nights and the occasional pay-per-view. And I don't want it to go away, but if you continually undermine the product on TV for something that's happening behind the curtain, then it's going to be problematic in the long term. Remains to be seen what happens there. Uh, we'll keep watching professional wrestling and, of course, football on Saturdays and Sundays and some Monday, Thursday, Friday, whatever it may be. Uh, Brendan Smith, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate you. We'll, we'll have you back on some point during the season uh, for sure. But thanks again for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. All right, huge thanks to Brendan Smith. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Brennan J. Smith for football and other takes, but always a blast and always a pleasure talking NFL with him. Now we're going to the college game with Sully, Sean Sullivan. Uh, a lot to discuss his balls, narrowly escape and survive against Pitt. Uh, we discussed Bama's near near loss, Georgia looking like monsters, Notre Dame losing to Marshall. Scott Frost fired, have to get that in there. And then we pick some games for week three on the slate. A lot of good games, a lot of good bets out there. It's Sean Sullivan, Sully talk college football here on the money mitch effect all right now it's time to talk college football here on the money mitch effect the regular guest the regular expert of that topic sean sullivan sully's back in the house riding high with an undefeated team rising up the rankings sully thanks for joining uh another eventful saturday for you although you actually you know came out on top this one so that's got to feel a little different yeah feeling great first win First ranked road win over a non-conference opponent since 2003. That was a uh, feeling I haven't felt since uh, I, I, I didn't even know what puberty was at that point. So, um, yeah, feeling good and ready to, to win some bets this weekend and uh, keep, the, keep the good vibes going. Yeah, the big Tennessee win uh, over Pitt uh, was uh, eventful. You know, there was a lot of drama. I think, yeah. I think both teams would say even Tennessee, it wasn't the cleanest gameplay, and there's some stuff to clean up. But yeah. a win is a win. They got through it. That was big for them considering, you know, it was a crazy Saturday of football. Um, I guess we can also start with Bama nearly losing to Texas. And mm -hmm. really it was after Quinn Ewers got, hurt, Ewers got hurt that there was still Texas fighting and winning and, there are some, you know, questionable calls to say the least. And, you know, everything plays mm -hmm. a factor in this one. But, and I, obviously we don't really, we're not considered Bama fans at all, Sully, but Texas had chances no. to kind of step on their throats, didn't do it. And Bryce Young, just like Auburn last year, finds a way to win a game when his team's not playing well and yep. just come up big down the stretch. That was the difference. That missed sack opportunity where he ducked out of it was mm -hmm. the play of the game. Man, what a what a what a dance move on that on that play! He showed exactly why he's got a Heisman Trophy on his shelf, and I, I got to give Texas a lot of credit, man. I, I gave them not a lot of chances going into this one, but it, just that opening drive, the play calling from Sark, Quinn looked like a, a a difference maker, just accurate and making the right decisions. Had Bama's defense guessing, which doesn't happen 
a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I was like, whoa, this is going to be it's gonna be a tight game. And, of course, he goes out, and I think Bama's going to pull a classic Bama crockpot. But, no, Texas stuck right there with him until the very gritty end. And, yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm impressed. Well, well, you know, they also performed the rare move of, you know, losing a game but entering the rankings which I think is mm-hmm. kind of deserved. And, you know, we can, we can yeah. have the is Texas back again, you know, yearly, you know, discussion. I think we'll, it remains to yeah. be seen, but there is a lot to like about what you saw in that game. And I got to give props to somebody else. So, and that's Gary Patterson and that defense, because up until the end yeah. of that game and even the end of that game in those drives, like you held Bama to 20 points, you know, like <laughs> that's you pretty good. And it, they look, it looks like if you take Jameer Gibbs away from Alabama, uh, mm. You're going to, I mean, Bryce Young's obviously no slouch and he can carry a team, but that's going to give you a real, real good shot. They're still looking for a a weapon to really lean on like they've had in the past. So, you're sure. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, I I know, I know Nick Saban's got a lot in the, in the, in the cabinet in in Tuscaloosa more than most. So, uh, good luck to him trying to figure it out smallest violin in the world honestly (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i mean they they dropped the spot to georgia who continues to impress the rest of the top five held firm with ohio state who played who played your boy butch jones i couldn't believe i I totally forgot he was coaching arkansas state until i saw until i saw this this manic celebration because they were able to run the clock out down 15 in the first half and he just look, looks like a red balloon on the side. Yeah, now they, they gave up two touchdowns to start the second, but yeah, that's fine. Hey, I mean, whatever. What are you going to no do? No energy vampires on this sideline. Hey, no the, energy vampires allowed in Jonesboro. Hey, the other stories of this week before we kind of get on to some of the games we like going forward, Sully. A&M mm-hmm. gets kind of, yeah. kind of pushed around there by App State, who was coming off that mm-hmm. scintillating loss to North Carolina. Uh, they lose to a- they beat A and M in College Station. A and M drops 18 spots in the rankings. Uh, do you want to give credit to App State, the Mountain? You know, just all those celebrations that they had on campus. They deserve to feel it. But this is a brutal loss for Jimbo Fisher and his boys. Like this is something that you know you, you say it, but it can't happen. If you want to be a contender, you cannot lose these games. No, and I, I, I why are people? Why are Power Five programs ever going to schedule App State? Like they, they, that's what they do. They come in and punch you in the face. As a Tennessee fan, they they should have beat a very talented, a more talented team, uh, NFL players all over that squad, and they they damn near walked into Neyland and, and took that game from them. Uh, I I think uh, AM first off, they need to ban the midnight yell. Like the videos coming out of <laughs> brutal the, of that of that <laughs> of that event. Just awful, awful, awful. But second, yeah, it, it, it's time to hit the panic button. We've heard, and I've I've been a part of this. I, I felt like A and M was could sneak up and be the third best team in this conference, and that that's not the case right now. That's just they, they are no still trying to find out something at quarterback. And King was I was expecting big things out of him. Bryce outplayed him, uh, and then. Shoot, I mean, the weapons on offense, Yeah, it's, it's very lacking for a bunch of very talented guys. It's, it's, Nia Smith, where are you, dude? Four catches for 21 yards. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, they want to be in that class with Bama and Georgia, and they're not, you know, they're more in the other tier of teams. Tennessee's in there now. Arkansas's a top 10 team in the country. Just mm-hmm. remarkable turnaround there. Kentucky. Kentucky beats Florida, and that was the other one I wanted to get to yeah. because that was, look, Kentucky, and you know this, Tennessee and Florida had owned them for decades, decades. Mark Stoops comes in there, and he's beaten Florida, what, three times now? Like, he's completely flipped Mm -hmm. that narrative. He made Richardson look human. Um, And it wasn't even the cleanest game offensively by Kentucky. That's something that stood out to me is they won this game, and they left points on the table. 100%. And I I think that's that's a – if you could point one game to – the Mark Stoops era is, is so far is, is that game. They know exactly what they are. They're they're not going to just absolutely blow you away on the offensive side of the ball. They're going to be nasty on defense, and they're gonna they're gonna invite you to to, to try to hey beat us. You know, mm-hmm. like we're, we know exactly what we are. We're going to punch you in the mouth, and if you if you can take it, good for you. Otherwise, you're going to have a long night. And sure enough, uh, it, Richardson. You're right. Looked very pedestrian. 
Um, and that's I, I think that's why we both like Kentucky going into that game is, is we even how good he looked against Utah, he still wasn't, you know, the 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 passing quarterback that you might need against Kentucky uh, in, a, in a Kentucky defense that's honestly better than I think Utah is. So, um, yeah, good good on them and and good luck Florida. Uh, that that they seem like they need to to look under the hood real quick before. Yeah. Well, the rest of the SEC schedule starts. I think that win over Utah might have just inflated <clears throat> expectations for year one of Billy Napier. Obviously, Richardson covered yep. up a lot of that too. So this is about where I think they are. I mean, they're going to – this is the long-term plan. I don't think it's all going to happen this year, but that schedule is brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, we should point out the other storyline is uh, a team that's unranked now, and that's Notre Dame. Now 0-2 losing to Marshall. Marshall goes to, to Notre Dame and wins that game. Uh, wins it with <laughs> honestly wins it with defense. I mean that was look. I, I think Marcus pick six, going I mean, nuts. Pick six was huge. Marcus Freeman and I've had this discussion too. Uh, I think there's time for him to see um, where we're at coaching wise. I think the recruiting's been good uh, to great for Notre Dame, but you got to get results here, and you know it hasn't happened. And he's looking for his first win. The schedule they got Cal coming up, but it's a brutal murderer's road down the stretch. So, so now the panic button yeah. is completely pushed. If you're a fighting Irish, and of fan. course, and of course today, no no good news out of South Bend with Tyler Buckner out mm-hmm. for the season. So, mm-hmm. gosh, it's it, it's tough for for uh, for the boys up in up in Indiana. But hey, I, you're right. The recruiting's going well. It, it could be one of the more disastrous first years in Notre Dame history going down the stretch because the schedule really does. I mean, USC looks like yeah. a bunch of studs and not to mention all the rest of the, 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 the squads they got to play. So um, that's all the way in the back end. They're, they're, they're going to be limping into that game. So, yeah, I, I don't think I, – I, 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 I'm not hitting the panda button in, in Notre Dame yet. I, I think they'll be fine. Um, just, just write the course and don't I, I think they they won't pull the, sh- the cord on him if he keeps losing, but I, I, I don't don't hold me to it. <laughs> yeah, what well, is your one? So we'll have to see. I think it's a little more long term outlook for them, especially with yeah what was a young quarterback but now injured. Um, so mm-hmm. let's let's look at some of the games this week. Uh, we got to get some wins here. Um, you know, there there is a game. There's a couple games Friday night that we should talk about. One in particular. Um, you know, you were a little lower on Louisville. They ended up going into UCF and winning that game. They got Florida State on a Friday night, uh, Friday afternoon out here on the West Coast, where that line, Louisville at home, is getting two and a half points. Florida State had that win over LSU. This is a, this is a fascinating one because, right, it could set up Florida State season for the Norvell era, but I don't I don't know that I, I feel bullish about Florida State in the favorite on the road position. Yeah, I mean that's that's a tough one. When's the last time they were favored up on the road? Uh, yeah, you got you got to go back, got to go back a few years, and it looks like uh, the last couple. Um, they, I mean, it, it's been a it's been a tough tough stretch for Mike Norvell, but and he, I really wasn't that impressed with his coaching job against LSU either. No. Honestly, both of those teams deserve to lose. Um, so a lot of questionable decisions. But uh, yeah, I think I think Louisville. I think I, I, I was a fan of Scott Satterfield, and I'm really starting to turn on him. I, I think that that is a dumpster fire of a program, and it it this year could be uh, the nail in the coffin for him. That was a nice win against UCF last week, but yeah. uh, they, to get blown out by Syracuse, I know not good, boys. Not good at all. Uh, Florida State has lost this game the last two times they've played. Uh, should be a fun one on Friday night. Uh, starting with the Saturday slate, Sully. Just want to get your thoughts on not just the game, but the situation. Uh, Oklahoma goes mm-hmm. into Nebraska, the old school rivalry from back in uh, the 70s and 80s and even further back. Nebraska getting 11 and a half points, but also going to be uh, entering the first game of the post-Scott Frost era. 11 and a half, which is <laughs> around what his buyout is, million dollar wise, but uh, yeah, the, the the sad end to uh, to uh, Nebraska and the Scott Frost era when Clay Helton's Georgia State team just beats you at home. I know. How about that, Clay Helton texting with uh, Mike Bone and and all of his USC buddies and they're congratulating and kind of that's just kind of weird, isn't it? It's like Very he's texting weird. his ex, cele- celebrating the win. Very weird. Yee. but uh, yeah, Frost. See you later. Uh, we we kind of saw this coming. The fact that uh, they couldn't wait 20 days to fire him, that the buyout go down, 
mm-hmm. tells you that I, I, that leadership isn't the best either. If, if you're going to fire him now, why didn't you fire him last year? Like what? Uh, yeah. I, I'm confused about that whole situation. Like he should have been gone last year regardless. If not, wait 20 days. You're still going to be at the head of at the head of the the, the coaching carousel line. So I don't. Yeah, I don't understand why they on. why they. I guess five million dollars or whatever the drop would have been in October first doesn't make mean much. But yeah, oh, I, yeah. I, I know that that's it's a little unfortunate there. That no, they, they it would have it. been. Yeah, it would have been fifteen to to below ten. So yeah, more, would, a little more than five. I would say Oklahoma boat races. I'm in this game, but I do think weird things happen when there's a coach fired because it's almost like. And again, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm obviously staying away from this one, but sometimes players in that yeah. locker room could take it personal, realize that they're on and the Nebraska block. And Nebraska played a hell of a game last year too. They that did. was like the they oh, did. maybe <laughs> they got a shot. They've always, around you know, you're right. They've always played close, whether it's a bad team or a good team. They're always kind of in it. They just usually lose. Mm-hmm. Um, I got one that yep. I wanted to talk about early, and I have some thoughts on this game, but I want to hear yours. Uh, Syracuse yep. Purdue is essentially a pick them right now at Syracuse yep. Eastern just because I'm leaning Purdue in this one man I really do think they're going to go in and win this game I think they're going to put points on that Syracuse defense oh I don't know I don't know I like that Syracuse running game um in week one and sure it was Louisville but I mean Purdue's defense we saw what they did in the ball game against Tennessee obviously I'm, different orange team well yeah um but yeah I, shoot this is They've only played once, weird one, and Purdue won 51 to nothing. That's a weird stat. It really is. <laughs> the point differential is pretty um, high, but yeah, small sample size. Yeah, yeah. Aiden O'Connell uh, is, is, is a stud. I, I really do like his game. Um, and, yeah, I mean, which which Syracuse team are we going to get? Well, I, and I that's mean, the thing, right? Tom Tucker's a stuff stud. Get a feet, gonna give him a lot of lot of feeding, lot of lot of rushes. But I mean, Purdue could be two and zero right now, and they'd be ranked if they uh, would have if they would have uh, held on against Penn State, you know. And I think I, I hear what you're saying right. about the Syracuse run game. I think the the constant in this game would be, I think Purdue is going to be scoring points, but so maybe the over is the play yeah. here because I feel like Syracuse can definitely win this game. But I think if they win, they got to kind of put it on them, you know. The, definitely get right. in the 30s, in my opinion, but. I think that's going to be a fun one for sure. Uh, another game I want to get your opinion on. Uh, we'll get to some of the bigger ones later, but you know the Bulldogs are they in first half uh, line potential? Twenty four point road favorites at South Carolina. Oh man, um, I, I I'm a, I'm about to be way off the South Carolina bandwagon. I'm I, I'm already we're off. about to fade. Yeah, come, you're come already off. Yeah. I, I was I was I had a little hope. I, I kind of started buying into the, the I mean, hype. The Beamer's losing hype. it, right? Like, he's kind of like you can tell in his press conferences. Like, he's kind of losing it. Yeah. He's kind of just getting a little, I don't know, a little spacey. Um, <laughs> it might be the right word with him. And, and a little confrontational with the media down there. And it's, we haven't even gotten to week three, big boy. And you're, you're already doing that. That's not a good sign. So, um, yeah, he might be feeling it a little bit. And, I would be feeling it too if I had a coach against this Georgia Bulldogs team. Holy smokes, have they been looking good? Yeah, just retooled, restocked, ready to go. It looks so fast, so physical. I think Spencer Rattler is going to be throwing about three to four picks this game. Uh, and yeah, I would halftime, full game line, whatever you want, man, take it. I think this is going to hit. They just keep coming like it's nuts, really, like when you think about it. And I think rattling quarterbacks, pun intended, I think is what they've been doing. And I just don't know that mm-hmm. I trust Spencer Rattler in this situation. So, yeah, the dogs are just. Honestly, I think Bo Nix is just as good as a quarterback as Spencer Rattler. Oh, That's yeah. Probably Agreed. a bigger, not, Agreed bigger knock on Spencer Rattler. And, and they, they made him look like a, a freaking middle school quarterback out there. So, yeah, who, yeah. Who, run it back. Who's if you talk about coaches and, and situations where they're losing it, and you know, obviously other than Nebraska, I do have to mention just what's going on in Iowa now. We got cameos sent to the offensive coordinator. <laughs> just yeah, what the hell is going on over there? Cameo game. I mean, ten uh, total offensive yeah. points in two weeks. You know, they lose the Cyhawk Trophy. Matt Campbell finally gets one, but who? That's uh, that's a pretty. I mean. It's like if you're going to lose, at least be entertaining. You know, 10-7, just and giving nothing. And they're laying 23 points to Nevada. Like, 
Yeah, are they going to score 23? 23 <laughs> they got to go double what they've done in two games. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I might I might, might throw a little money on the Wolf Pack just for giggles. Yeah, that might just be a to... good one. Uh, another one kind of... 23 new... points. Another one. We got we got a nice afternoon slate coming up. Uh, two games yep. at three thirty. I really want to get to. Uh, one being out west, Oregon BYU. Big BYU yep. win in that Baylor game. Uh, I thought it. I mean, obviously odd with the double overtime. It was not the best played game. BYU was missing those two receivers, but at the end of the day, they're gonna they're gonna see a win on the record. You know, come resume check time at the end of the year. Uh, it doesn't get any easier though because they got to go to Eugene to play the Ducks, who are three and a half point favorites. Oregon scored over 70 points last week. Not the toughest opponent, but how do you see this one shaking out? I like BYU. I think that's a, that's a really good ball club. Um, they, they just That's another program that just keeps restocking, and it doesn't matter. They're going to be as tough as nails. Mm-hmm. And Oregon, I, 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 maybe this is a little bit of a, 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 a fade because of week one, but, man, I'm – I still think it's going to take a couple of years for, yeah. for Dan Lanning to get them restocked. So I, I think BYU is a healthier program right now. I got I got to lean the, the Cougs. I'm so one. I'm um, so glad you said that because I'm on BYU also. We might have to add this to the list. I think three and a half points is a great yep. number. I think BYU. Yep. Look, nobody's Georgia, obviously, but Oregon mm-hmm. can be beat up up front. I think BYU plays that way, and I think they're going to just you know. Getting Bo, getting Bo Nix's kitchen, and I, I like BYU in this one too. I really do. I do too. Yeah. Uh, so start. So, so we'll start that one. Uh, the other game in the in the afternoon slot, Penn State Auburn. Penn State won this in their whiteout game last year. Um, yeah. I would say honestly, stakes wise, it, it's about as big for each program going forward this year, right? Like the winner of this game oh. is riding a little high. The loser, it could be a brutal stretch, you know, with the how good conference play is for both. So I don't know if you'd agree with that. Yeah. But I think this is a very important game I, for both I, coaches. A hundred percent. I think Harson is he's the one coach that everybody circled in the SEC that he can get the get the uh, get the the firing the back sooner than everybody boot. else. <laughs> yeah, the golden boot, uh, the golden parachute. I don't know how, how big that pile is, but it's yeah. got to be ginormous. Uh, but yeah, I, I think. Penn State, obviously, week one, Purdue conference game. I think you kind of throw that out. Um, last week against Ohio, they looked much better. Offense looked much sharper. Uh, nice balanced attack. Um, I think the, the, the D did a, a little, looked a little bit better. Um, of course, they weren't uh, playing against Amos O'Connell and company, but mm-hmm. uh, still, still looked sharper in week two. And Auburn on the, on the flip side. Uh, I mean, TJ Finley's okay. It was San Jose State. Yeah, I I, I it, agree. It took a little bit too much effort. I, I think. To get, to I get I just so. I think Penn State's better equipped with this game. I mean, I've made my my Clifford jokes. He's you know been there forever and <laughs> it's yeah. been solid, but not forty five years old. I think I think uh, look, we talk. It's funny because I agree with you. I think Harrison needs this win. There's a lot of pressure riding on him. But I think for yeah. for the other side of it, for the James Franklin side, you know, the recruiting's been good, but he needs to, you know, he needs some big wins, and I think this is going to go a long way to kind of setting himself up in conference play. I like Penn State mm-hmm. in this game. I just don't think Auburn's consistent enough, but but I'm not yeah. I'm not really confident enough to to lay any points here. I don't I don't know that I think this is a predictable game at least. No, I I, I think you stay away from this one. I, I, Auburn is is always especially at oh. home. Yeah. They could be they can be a little crazy. So yeah, I'm I, gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid this one. I got a I got a, a game and a bet that I kind of like, but it's gonna kind of sound crazy. But I'm gonna try to walk you through this one, right? I I, I got one too. So go I, for it. Jayhawks plus ten at Houston. Um. I, okay, I see where you're going with this one. The points, obviously, and I, and and a lot of this the is points. like Kansas winning a game in overtime by thirteen was crazy last week. The West Virginia win. Yeah. Houston has been in these psycho games as well, where it's overtime, it's three points, it's close. I don't know that I trust yeah. Houston to really, and that's part of how aggressive they are, and that's Dana Hogerson and his Red Bull. Like, he just can't, it's like he can't run out the clock in a lot of ways. I'm going to, I'm going to, I like that bet, but I'm going to be on the other side of week two. Okay. Um, I like Texas Tech getting multiple, uh, mm. uh, multiple scores going into NC State. Mm, I think yeah. NC State's uh, inflated. 
Texas Tech beat a good – I think that Houston team's pretty good. And they, they went in and, and, and knocked them out last week. So and, and Yeah, ten and a half, ten. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. Point, I I just I'm not I'm not liking uh what, what NC State, the Wolfpack's bringing to the table. They haven't lost in two years at home. I'm not I'm not looking for a, a money line bet here, but multiple scores. That's pretty uh, good. Yeah. I, I, I just I just don't trust them. That's pretty good. I like that one. North Carolina State, man, what it's just kind of unfortunate what's going to happen with them. But when it's yeah. been when it's been open there, um, okay. Another one that I like, just one. I mean, we both like this one: Mississippi State going into LSU, uh, and then oh yeah, and then you can get that at two, two and a half under a field goal. I think it's a great number. Um, they've got some continuity there. They've won at LSU. I think that was the first Mike Leach game, actually, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and. You know, Brian Kelly kind of has the media feuds going already, has a lot going on, and I just think the continuity there, the fact that Will Rogers is still still going strong, uh, I like him. He's got a yep. master of this offense, and I, I like Mississippi State to to cover three points. They can run the ball they, they, uh, as well, which is huge. Um, so it's not all on Will Rogers, but, I mean, if you look at the stats, he leads the SEC in quarterback rating and touchdowns. And yards and LSU, I don't think they're going to be able to score with them. Don't you? How are they going to be able to get points? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I was also going to say, I mean, we make our Brian Kelly LSU jokes, but I feel like with especially Jaden Daniels, don't you feel like they're going to be a team that kind of gets better as the year goes along? Like this is the time to really get cash your against yeah, LSU against bets. Them. Yeah, I agree. Yep, yep, I agree. By the time they play Tennessee here in a few weeks, they're going to be looking like the LSU <laughs> we thought they were. Yeah, so, that's your luck every time. Out. Yeah, oh, a couple more things with Sully here on uh, the Money Mitch effect. Uh, let's see what other bets. I'll, I'll open the floor to you before we wrap this up. Any other games we haven't talked about that you're thinking for some numbers? I know uh, our, our teams my, are kind of weighing some big points, so probably not Buckeyes, Toledo, yeah. or Akron, uh, Tennessee as our teams go matching this week. My main off the board one was Texas Tech, um, but let's see here. We got. Uh, Miami A and M. Anything you like from there? I think that's gonna be a pretty mm, crazy yeah. game. Uh, do we want to fade? Do you want to fade Fisher? I mean, Miami's. Look, I don't know that I want to uh, fade Fisher really because Miami was like what in a dogfight in the first half against was that Southern Miss. So yeah, I, Southern I don't. Miss. They ended up. They ended up pulling it away. Honestly, this is the A and M bounce back game for me. I, I know. Yeah, I, I, it's five points. I feel like they're gonna. I, I feel like the bet. I don't know that this would be one of my top picks, but I would, I would go a And M up to a touchdown at Miami at home. I mean, this is. I'm with you. Because if they don't win this I game, that, I mean, Jesus. <laughs> I think that line is is uh is really shrank because of last week in Happy State. And I mean, funny enough, both these teams have had troubles with Happy State recently. So this is kind mm-hmm. of a Mountaineer bowl. Um, but yeah, I, I think yeah, five and a half. I, for, anything, anything under a touchdown, they'll be able to cover. For the West Coast games, I think we're going to see some big, co- big spreads covered. Uh, I think USC covers Fresno twelve uh, in mm-hmm. that one. I, I do think, though. I mean, USC's got the athletes and they look good. The defense has got some question marks. They look better, obviously, for against sure. Stanford, but I don't think Fresno is going to be the team to test them. And I think Utah is going to come in pretty pissed off against San Diego State, who. Is not that good Looked this year. Awful. Looked awful. Twenty one's a lot of points. Maybe this is this would be our teaser range. But I, I think they're still going to cover twenty one. But if you can tease it down to like fifteen, I think that's pretty yeah. much a lock. I agree. I agree. That's a. Yeah, I mean they got a new stadium. They're looking. They're feeling good, and then uh, it kind of fell in the face week one. And yeah, it's unfortunate. Some of our favorites, like Hawaii and San Diego State, just aren't good this year. You know, oh just really... God, Hawaii might be the worst power, or the the worst uh, FBS team in the country, man. I mean, I'm not for. I think if you lose to Vanderbilt by that many points, you should just have to take the year off. Yeah, you know, just just hit the recruiting trail early, guys. Uh, and then the other one I want to mention was we have a FCS team at home, Sully, against a non-FCS team as an underdog. Arizona currently a one-point underdog at home against North Dakota State. Wow. Uh, I kind of like Arizona there. I actually do, too, because, I mean, this was, like, we could make these jokes the last five years for Arizona. They don't look terrible. And where, no, where's the no, QB from again? The, the tra- it's a QB, right, who transferred in? Uh, hold on. 
on. Hold caller. Hold caller. I think it's Where the quarterback. I think it's the quarterback. Uh, Delora? Yeah, I thought he was the transfer. Maybe it was the receiver, but they definitely. Um, I think yeah, it was that. Delora. Delora was at Washington State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks good. Yeah, yeah. He looks good. Yeah. You yeah, and, and shoot, I, you're not going to score with uh, with Mike Leach going 100 miles an hour and they, they got that thing no. cooking. No. But yeah, they look good week one, four touchdown passes uh, towards our, our aforementioned Aztecs. So, yeah, I, I don't think uh, North Coast State's fun, but yeah, come on, I, give me a break. Give me getting, a break. Getting a point. Two more quick ones and we'll wrap it up. Uh, Washington at home against Michigan State, three point favorites. I don't know if I have a read on this one, but this is uh, an interesting. I'm going Spartan. Yeah, yeah. Mel, Mel Tucker's got to win these games, right? I mean, you saw the Badgers blow it at home to Washington State, so this is an opportunity yeah. for Michigan State to climb up the pecking order. And the last one, Sully, we talked about them at the top, but Texas gets UTSA. They're at home, 12 and a half points. Not an easy game, and if you're riding high after keeping it close against Alabama, you got to get in gear for a pesky Roadrunner team. Dude, they are pesky, and I, I love the Roadrunners. Hell of a hell of a job down there. Um, and shoot, they, they I kind of like them in this one. I kind of like them to lose I by less too. than twelve. And I think Texas wins by about seven to ten. Frank Harris is a handful. Uh, he's 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 been a hell of a quarterback the last couple years. Six touchdowns, only one interception so far. So. Yeah, take care of the ball, and you could you could definitely go in there and, and, and give uh give give Big Brother a little scare there. Excited, man! Can't wait to see how this goes. I know you're riding high with the team. My Buckeyes are still undefeated. We got some good football coming up. Uh, Sully, this was fun. La- last thing, any any early uh-huh. predictions on who has the Cornhuskers job next year? First in line. Oh, don't man. say Urban. Uh, Do not say Urban. <laughs> I don't think so. I think I think they're going to give Dan Mullen a call. <sighs> That's a good. That's pick. what I would do. No, that's that's good. You, you call him and say, "Hey, Dan, we really want you to coach. You have full control, but you got to recruit, man. At least don't yeah, don't talk I'm about a... how much you hate it in the media. Can you at least do that? Right? Yeah. <laughs> please, please, at least hire a staff that is a bunch of recruiters. Yeah. Just say no comment. That's fine. Uh, yeah. Sean Sullivan, Sully, appreciate you coming on. We'll be hopefully winning some money and uh, moving forward with college football. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, good sir. Let's uh, win some bets. Huge thanks to both Brennan Smith and Sean Sullivan for appearing as guests on today's show. Thanks to everybody out there for listening to The Money Mitch Effect, where the entire catalog can be found on all your podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, check out The Money Mitch Effect Facebook page, as well as follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. We will be back next week to talk more football, more things in the sports world. Shout out to Igas Biontech and Carlos Alcaraz as well for winning the U.S. Opens. Igas 21 and Carlos Carlitos. Charlie is 19. A lot more Grand Slams I predict in their future, but that's not exactly a bold prediction. So shout out to the tennis U.S. Open champions. Thanks again to our guests. My name is Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening and keep enjoying sports.